Hello, Nicoletta. Welcome to the Copley Relationship Advice Podcast. Hi, so honored and happy to be here. And we've got some great questions lined up. We've got so many interesting things to talk about in this episode. I'm very, I'm very excited. I think this might be one of the most, ex the most excited I've been to do a podcast episode. We're diving in deep. And this is the first time we've ever reached out to the Copley community and got their questions and featured them in the podcast. So I'm looking forward to really getting into it. Excellent. Me too. Quick, I'll give a quick introduction to everyone. So hello, Coupley community. We've got a heck of a show for you today with Nicoletta. Nicoletta Heidegger is a licensed marriage and family therapist practicing in the beautiful Los Angeles, California. She's also the host of the hit show Sluts and Scholars, a sex positive, shame-free educational podcast where she keeps your sex smart and your smarts sexier and her words have been featured all over the place from vice to hustler we are honored to have you with us nicoletta thank you so much so happy to be here and i'd love to hear a little bit about firstly how you got into the space and secondly some of the cool things that you've got coming up as well yeah, so I have, let's see, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And so I've been licensed since about 2018, but been in school and grad school for a decade plus. <laughs> so it's been a long time. And I would say I initially, you know, got into this field. Um, I was lucky that I had a bunch of great folks growing up, my, my parents and also some other caregivers and friends and therapists um, that were really supportive of my own sort of sexual exploration. Um, and so it really helped me to feel less shame. And I think I was also just born like open talking about things. I was kind of just born with like a fuck you attitude, I think, in, in some ways where I was really drawn to things that like the taboo. Um, so it's no wonder that I ended up being into into kink and things later in life. Uh, but there's a part of me that's always been drawn a little bit to the, oh, you're not supposed to talk about that. Or like, oh, this isn't something that we discuss, you know, here. So I'm like, that's what I want to do. Um, but I would say my, my sexuality and eroticism has been such a big part of um, my life personally and professionally. It's really been something that inspires me, a way that I can be creative. And that on top of having folks in my life growing up who were supportive of my sexual and relational exploration in a mostly non-shaming way uh, really helped me to get to a place where um, people would just kind of naturally come to me to ask things and share things and talk about things. And then by the time I went to college, uh, I went to Stanford, I worked at the Sexual Health Resource Center where people could come get peer counseling and get, you get like an allotted amount of free condoms for the semester. So people could come get that, they could buy toys and tools, they could get tested. And then in my senior year, I ended up uh, getting asked to write a sex column uh, because I was the mascot uh, at Stanford, which is a tree. So I had a, a thing there called Sex Talks with the Tree, which was hilarious. Um, but actually some great info that I, you know, still still read back those articles today. And I'm like, yeah, we were covering some important stuff. Um, and then by the time I went to grad school for uh, clinical psychology and, and marriage family therapy, um, it was even clearer that there weren't as many 
therapists, you know, doing this, but also that most therapists get little to no training in human sexuality, like one class, if that, and it's pretty basic. Um, now it is required to have one class, at least in California, but it's only 10 hours usually, or, or sometimes it's just pretty broad. And so it's such an important part of life. I didn't want therapy to be another place where people couldn't talk about sex. Yeah. And you've gone on to do so much in this space. For anyone that hasn't heard of it, I'd love you to talk a little bit about Sluts and Scholars and how that got going, because I've been a listener now and it is truly amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the podcast is six plus years old. Um, and I started it because I really wanted to be able to reach a wider audience and provide a mostly free resource where people could learn and and connect. And it was also just a way for me to not just be stuck in private practice talking to myself in an echo chamber uh, with my clients. So I get to interview people whose work and research and you know, the things that they do in their life are interesting to me so that I can share those resources with the with the general public. Um, and, you know, the, the title, the name Sluts and Scholars, um, I sort of had that with some help from a colleague named, uh, a colleague and friend named Nina Hartley. And she was a longtime uh, pornographer and educator and just all around um, awesome human. And we were just lamenting on the fact one day when we were at the Korean spa, how there's just so much judgment around people who are openly interested in sex. And especially for women, how we're not taken seriously as professionals if we are seen as sexual um, and how that's sort of limited sometimes the areas or spaces in which we are welcome to educate and things like that. So yeah, why can't you be a slut and a scholar? And so I really created this podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure um, and people who, you know, think that, that that's important and kind of re reowning this name, this term slut to be something that is not a negative, you know, connotation, but something that is, you know, someone who just feels comfortable with their own sexuality and eroticism, whatever that may be. And so, yeah, I've been running the show for six plus years now and actually super exciting. Um, I have my first live show coming up that I'm hosting with three other awesome colleagues. And we're so glad that um, Coupley is actually going to be offering some cool stuff at the show. So definitely come join. Uh, it's happening February 10th. Um, in Hollywood in near Los Angeles. And you can also join in. We're going to have tickets where people can also buy like a recorded version so they can watch from anywhere in the world at their leisure. Uh, it's called Afternoon Delight. Uh, and you can buy tickets, find the link, check out more information at adlive.eventbrite.com. But I'll give you the link so you can share with your community and would love to see some couple listeners there because it is myself, another one, uh, another colleague named Dr. Tara, um, another one named Dr. Nazanin, and a woman named August. And we all have top sex and relationship podcasts. And some of us are therapists, some of us are researchers, some of us are journalists, but all in this sex and relationship space. And we decided to come together to like share all of our top tips and tools for maintaining sexy, great connection over time. And um, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so awesome, Nicoletta. When I got, when you talked to me about this, I was like, wait, what? And then Dr. Tara talked to me about this and she's like, Tim, we have to have you be part of this. And then when I saw all the materials, I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be so awesome. Bring yeah. together the Sex Avengers 
going to have some amazing <laughs> conversations. I'm inviting some guests as well, some other people in the space. But if you're listening to this and you're based in Los Angeles, February 10th, or just the surrounding areas, drive in for it, guys. When are you ever going to see this group of people together in the same place? So please come through if Los Angeles is accessible to you. February 10th, put it in the diary, put it in the calendar. Links below. Come out. And it's going to sell out so fast. So yeah, or if you're feeling fancy and bougie, it, we are purposefully having it around Valentine's Day. So there's no better gift, in my opinion, than to you know give yourself the gift of tools for yourself and your relationship and your sex life. So make a weekend tools. out of it. You know, come come out, get a sexy hotel in Hollywood, come join. And and again, if it's you know impossible to join in that way, you can buy a ticket to watch it online, so you can watch it in the sexy comfort of your own home. Tools, toys, and a great time for all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, we're going to get into Coupley's questions. The community had so many questions for you, Nicoletta. It was, I was kind of blown away, um, but we've pulled them together and I'm really, really looking forward to getting into this. And this is fairly new territory for me. So I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm probably going to be bringing you a little bit more down to the ground level and getting you to explain a lot of the terms because I think for many of our couple of users as well, it's for a lot of us, it's our first time really getting into the relationship space and starting to consciously work on things. Um, yeah. So some of this more edgier stuff is, is very new and exciting. Yeah. And, and that's often where I start with clients and listeners too, is just a bit back to the basics. And even for people who feel like they know more, it's, it can always be good to come back to the, to the basics. And the fact that we got so many questions, I think is just indicative that like people have so many questions, but it sometimes mm -hmm. takes somebody opening the door for there to be permission and comfort to talk about this stuff. So you don't have to be perfect at all these things. Sometimes you just know how to have to know how to open the door. I always think of this stat that we did. We interviewed 2,000 couples, Nicoletta, and it, the stat blew my mind. We asked them about sex and communication, and mm -hmm. here's, was, here, here's the stat. 90% of couple users wanted to try new things in the bedroom, but 43% were not comfortable having a conversation about sex with their partner. And that is a big, big discrepancy. So together, if you're listening to this podcast, we're about to break down some walls and get some conversations going. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go into the first question. Hi. I'm excited Hi, to listen to you read these. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, me and my partner have been together for almost five years, and I want to try getting her to have more fun with me being a BDSM mistress and as me being her slave. And I think we had a related question, which I think might be the same person answering the same question twice. They really, they really want to know. <laughs> and it was a little bit more direct. How do I get my partner to be my mistress in the bedroom? I love having BDSM sex and I don't mind being the slave. Okay, so to break it down, if you don't know what BDSM is, um, it's four letters, but it actually stands for six words. Uh, so it stands for bondage and discipline dominance and submission and sadism and masochism. Um, I think when a lot of people hear the word BDSM, they initially think like 
sort of what this person is asking, but they think like dark dungeon, 50 shades of gray vibes. And it certainly can be that, but it doesn't have to be that. So if you've ever been interested in getting your hair pulled a little or being spanked a little bit or um, playing around with different roles, guess what? You're interested in BDSM. So there's a lot of people who are into this, but they maybe have misinformation about what it has to look like, what it can look like, all of the options and the and the creativity. Um, and there can certainly be a lot of you know shame around this interest. Um, and in terms of this question specifically, um, I always find it helpful if you're afraid to bring something up, you know, for the first time, I invite people to blame me. <laughs> so use this podcast episode, use an app like Couply, use, use something out there. There are some other great resources too, like books on this topic, other podcasts like mine on this topic. And you can be like, you know what? This thing came across my feed or blame the algorithm, whatever. This thing came across my feed and, you know, I was, um, it was kind of interesting to me. Would you be willing to, to listen to it? Um, or there's some apps too, you know, that will prompt some of these topics where you can at least sort of gauge that initial uh, question. Um, once you've sort of gauged that, um, first, I would also ask that partner like, hey, when you hear BDSM, what do you think of, right? To just sort of check their potential thoughts and feelings about it. Because if someone has never heard BDSM before and they hear, I want you to be my slave, that word can bring up a lot of feelings, sensations, connections, trauma, all sorts of things. And so if someone doesn't know what that really means, what your actual interest is in it, they might be like, no, 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 no way. Um, and so I really also want to invite this person or anyone listening to break it down to the base level of like, what is it about this that is exciting for you? And not in a judgmental way, but in a curious way. So that instead of just using the words and the names without description to really help your partner understand what is it about this that is exciting to you. And so maybe it, for example, it might be, you know, I've realized that I really work hard all day. And when it comes to sex and intimacy, um, I just want to be kind of told what to do. And it's so nice for me to be able to just like take a break and relax and be able to just like know that I'm pleasing you and to have like something in my day that just feels um, guided as opposed to me being the boss like I am all day. Um, so really getting to these core layers instead of just using the terms where you might not know how your partner feels about these terms and then asking them like, well, when you think of BDSM, what do you, what do you think of? Um, if your partner is down and they're like, yeah, I want to do that, but I don't know where the fuck to start. Um, the good news is you don't have to do it alone. So there are people out there um, called uh, professional doms, professional uh, dominatrices or professional masters um, of all different genders. Um, and they work at um, privately owned what's called dungeons. I know I said not all BDSM is dark dungeons, but this is just the name of the <laughs> learning space. Um, they do offer sometimes online classes or in person and you can literally go and learn how to sort of find your inner dominant or your inner submissive. Um, a few folks that I refer to for this, one is named Colette Pervet. Um, she's been on my podcast. Another is Mistress Justine Cross. Um, another, um, there, there's usually places like this in all cities. Um, and so take a class. Um, there's also uh, another app that I like called Beducated and they have videos for stuff like this. So watch a video together about like BDSM basics um, and see what you can do. So 
hope that's some helpful tools to get started. Very, very helpful. It seems like they maybe wanted to sort of skip to the end result versus going through a little bit of the process and the conversation. Understandable. Um, and look, if you're, if you know, you have that kind of open dialogue with your partner, maybe you can skip some steps, but if you've like never talked about what you're interested in and it hasn't been normalized in your partnership to be like, Hey, what are you into? What do you like? It can feel zero to a hundred to be like, I want to be your slave. Yeah. <laughs> Unless <laughs> you're on like an app that has sex forward, you know, something like FetLife or Field, which for people who don't know are apps that are a little more like sex forward um, for dating, then do slow it down a little bit. I know you're excited about this. I know you want to engage in this with your partner and um, you may have to see where you're at communication wise first to give yourself a better chance at success um, and open dialogue. Yeah. I, I really liked how they phrased it as well, saying like, I don't mind being the slave. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't mind. Just to clarify. I might like <laughs> yeah. Just to clarify. I mean, uh, if we're picking, but I have no problem being the slave. Like, <laughs> I don't mind at all. Um, and I want you to be my mistress. And they might be like, I don't actually even know what that means. Uh, right. So yeah, very good. I want to try things sexually that my wife doesn't. In general, she seems happy to do the same things the same way. We also struggle with my sex drive being higher than hers. We're both about 45 with two teenagers. We've been married 17 years and under considerable stress being unhappy with our jobs. It feels like I make most of the effort in our sex life. Can I get her as committed to our sex life or do I just have to let her be? There isn't much good going on in our lives, but sex is my fun outlet. I do a lot of masturbating as a result of all this. Um, super common question. Um, and probably the reason that I see most of the couples that I see in my therapy practice. So I just want to like normalize that what we would call desire discrepancy is probably the most common thing, uh, that I see. And first to answer this question, I do want to sort of debunk the false narrative that there are high libidos and low libidos, um, desire, libido, things like that are much more complex and layered. Um, there are a lot of things that impact it um, from what we call a biopsychosocial lens, meaning like things like hormones, like you mentioned your age, um, things that are going on in our life can affect our, our biology, which can affect our desire. Um, our psychology, so basically things like, um, are we enjoying the sex that we're having? Um, are we you know, connecting in the ways that we want to, how do we feel about our partner is, are there resentments um, that's going to impact things. And then the socioculture part, you know, like, are there, um, is there permission in our community? Is there permission in the way that we communicate to talk about sex? So there are so many factors that can impact what we like, what we're into and how we desire sex. And so I do want to invite this person and anyone listening to kind of drop this false thing of high libido, low libido. Um, and one of the ways that I really like to um, educate people about that is to tell them about spontaneous versus responsive desire. I don't know if this is something you talk about on, on Coupley at all. Uh, a little bit. I think we, we've done it more through the lens of brakes and accelerators. Um, yeah. Just looking at the way, the different ways that, that people have different brakes and accelerators. And yeah. spontaneous and non-spontaneous and build up being, being some of those. 
Yeah. So for folks maybe tuning in for the first time, breaks are going to be the things that maybe put you off the mood that turn you off. Accelerators are going to be the things that leave you open to feeling desire. Um, but basically to break it down in a, the shortest way that I can, um, desire and arousal are separate experiences. So arousal is just the body's physical unconscious response to some kind of stimuli. It's usually out of our initial control. And this is like, you know, things like getting wet, things like getting hard, things like heart starting to race. Um, that is arousal. Arousal is not just sexual. We can get aroused by all kinds of things. It just means your nervous system is kind of turning on or uh, turning up. Desire is more like the head and the heart of, I want to do this thing. Now, some people have desire at the same time as arousal, and sometimes one happens without the other, and this can be common. Um, when it comes to spontaneous and responsive desire, there are people out there, this is usually um, testosterone-driven people, or I would say cisgendered men, um, and spontaneous is sort of like the wind blows and I have a boner. I'm ready to have sex. Like nothing really in particular seems to have happened, but like I want sex. Um, responsive desire looks more like that person. And these people often get put in a category of having low libido. Um, looks like that person not thinking about sex. Maybe on the sort of surface, it looks like they don't think about sex. So it could be potentially this partner um, just not yeah, not really thinking about it. And instead, what it looks like is responsive desire people instead need to be open to the idea of getting turned on. And then they have to sort of in their head, think about almost the pros and the cons a little bit of like, hmm, well, is this sex worth having? Is this sex that I enjoy? Do I usually feel good after I have sex? And then they might need to consider, are the situations aligned? Are the uh, are the kids put to bed? Are the dishes done? Is my work finished? Then if they're open to the idea of getting turned on, they make a choice to join that spontaneous person. And then once their body starts getting physically aroused, then they feel desire. And they're like, oh, I remember that I like this. Now I want to have sex. And so as fate will have it, most people who are spontaneous end up partnering with a responsive person. <laughs> and at the beginning of a relationship, you don't notice because it's spontaneous for both people because it's exciting and it's new. And then when you years down the line, age, hormones, things can change your sort of desire, responsive and, and spontaneousness. So then you might get to this place where you're the spontaneous person, you're already ready to go, you're trying to initiate with your partner, they're doing something else, not in the mood at all. And they're just like, um, I was just cleaning the table. Why are you trying to initiate sex with me? and they're, they bristle at it. And so yeah. it's important to know what are your styles. Uh, the book Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski is helpful for this. Um, another person that I love for this is Miss Jaya. She's created something called the Erotic Blueprints, which can help you figure out what your sort of erotic style is and your erotic language. There's also a great TV show you could maybe watch with your uh, with your partner that you're talking about um, called Sex, Love, and Goop. I don't love everything that Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop does, but I do really like this special because um, it features couples who are going through this exact predicament. So what I'm getting at is, sure, maybe your partner isn't as interested and doesn't value sex as much as you do. That is a possibility. You could go to a sex therapist or a sex coach to get at the bottom of that or ask your partner, hey, do you want to want 
more connection with me? Is sexual connection something that you value, even if you're not feeling super into it right now? Um, and so if they want to want it, or if they do share this value, you have an opportunity to learn each other's language more. You have an opportunity to learn each other's styles more and not just be like, I'm high, they're low. I'm interested, they're not interested. And to really get to the bottom of what is contributing to where our sex life is at now. Like I said, is it things like hormones? Is it the quality of the sex you're having? Is it your relationship? Is it resentment? Um, and then, you know, sex therapists like me can help with something like that. Um, but don't despair. There's a lot of steps you can take to figure out if this is something that you align on more. Um, there's also a great book I would recommend um, by a colleague, uh, and it is called uh, Sex When You Don't Feel Like It uh, by mm. Cindy Darnell. But ask your partner first before you're just like, hey, I think you'd like this book because you don't feel like having sex with me. <laughs> Maybe ask that question first of like, hey, are you interested in exploring this more? I heard about this thing. Maybe we could read it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't just leave the book on the bed, the midnight, the, the nightstand, sorry. <laughs> I mean, some, some people do things that way and it turns out okay, but that's not my personal style of communication. Awesome. Really, it's really interesting. And when I think about the question as well, I wondered that if you were going to go along those lines around when they said, but sex is my fun outlet. There's not smart, there's not too much good going on in our life, but sex is my fun outlet. And I definitely imagine mm. that there are probably other people whose desire levels aren't as responsive when there are so many additional st stresses going on. Yes, in their lives. absolutely. I'm so glad you said that. There's another concept called core erotic feelings. I think it was coined by a colleague of mine named Dr. Jess O'Reilly, um, who has some great podcasts and other things. Has she done stuff with Coupley? She's a, she's a Toronto. She is, a <gasps> she Toronto. is Toronto. Yes. Yeah. See, Canadians know what's up. Um, yeah. So she talks about core erotic feelings. And that is basically what is the feeling you need to feel before you're open to connecting intimately. And some people turn towards sex when they're feeling stressed like the person who wrote in who's mm -hmm. like this is a nice outlet things are sucking but this would be a great way to feel better other people stress is not an invitation for them you know their core erotic feeling may need to be feeling relaxed feeling happy feeling um confident feeling strong feeling whatever and so if that that could be another place to start is like, what are each of your core erotic feelings? Because it may not be that this person is disinterested, but they may need to be feeling a certain way before they're open to connecting with you. And how can we work on those other aspects of life? And I know it can be hard because the person who turns towards sex might feel a little hungrier sometimes, but if you can learn each other's styles, there's a lot of possibilities for you. I'm a 35-year-old female who's been married just under two years. We have no kids. I'm struggling to orgasm and have been struggling the entire marriage. It's not for a lack of trying on his part or a lack of stimulation. It just takes ages for me to get sufficiently aroused. When pleasure finally does start building, it usually just stops building after a while. The nerves can start getting sensitive or it just stops feeling good and becomes uncomfortable no matter what he tries. So I ask him to stop. That's very frustrating because it feels like my whole body is tense and has no release. And that normally results in headaches and muscle pain. 
on the odd occasion when the pleasure doesn't stop but carries on building to orgasm, I feel no pleasure with the orgasm. I can feel pleasure up to the point of release, but then I feel nothing. It's like my body starts responding to the orgasm and I feel nothing. It's so anticlimactic and dissatisfying. I'm on 20 milligrams of Prozac for fibromyglacia and anxiety, if that might be the issue. Um, thank you for your question. Um, firstly, I just want to like validate that I, I hear how upsetting and frustrating um, that probably is for you. And there are a lot of people who, who struggle with this. And I'm so glad this person included the medical stuff that's going on because that tells me maybe they already know there's a connection there, but they may not be seeing a doctor or specialist who shares in the value of prioritizing their pleasure which is true for a lot of doctors out there, unfortunately, even OBGYNs, um, that a lot of them don't have specialized sexuality training uh, because things like Prozac, and I think did you, you said fibromyalgia, um, any physical things and medication you're taking can absolutely impact orgasm and pleasure responses. Um, Prozac is a, uh, and not your doctor, so don't don't think I'm your doctor giving you this advice, but Prozac is a type of SSRI, uh, which means it affects uh, serotonin. Um, and SSRIs are very known to inhibit things like libido, uh, desire, things like that. Uh, fibromyalgia, again, this is a little, I'm not your doctor or a doctor medically, but I do know that it it can impact things like nerve pain, tissues, um, and, and sexual response as well. And so my advice would be to get yourself to a sexual medicine specialist to see what is going on physically and confirm what is physical um, and rule that in or rule that out first. There are a lot of people who struggle with orgasms when there's nothing physical going on and that I would, you know, answer maybe a little differently. Um, but when we have these, these, uh, potential physical aspects going on, it's really key to check into that first to see what could be going on, whether that's, I need to change my medication or here are some supplements I could take, or here's some options that I have if I'm, you know, experiencing something like fibromyalgia or whatever's going on. Uh, and so, a sexual medicine specialist is a usually a gynecologist or a urologist who has specialized training in human sexuality. Um, there aren't as many of these out there as I would wish there to be, but they do exist. Um, and they are someone who, you know, can help look at things, whether that be pain, not orgasming, libido issues, uh, hormones, things like that. And so they can help you figure that out. Um, if you are seeing a doctor already for some of this stuff, I know it can be hard to advocate for oneself to a doctor, but I might try to talk to the doctor and say, my sex and my pleasure is important to me. And I would like your help figuring out how I can come to terms with what's going on with the physical things going on, my medication and my diagnosis. Is that something you can help me with? And if it's not, you need to give me a referral to somebody who can. Right. You know, I had a, a friend, a male friend, that also experienced such similar symptoms when he was taking Prozac for the first, when he was yeah. first prescribed Prozac as well. Yeah. Uh, and he almost very, 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 very similar description, which is which is so interesting. And in that I just recalled that memory uh, as you were talking through this. It does seem like there's something there because it seems like she was saying, I've just been, I've been struggling the entire marriage, but maybe not the entire relationship. We don't know. 
Yeah. We don't have that detail, but seems yeah. like it's something newish for this person. Yeah. And, and don't just, you know, if you are taking that medication, don't just, you know, stop cold turkey, yeah. talk to your doctor. Um, there are other alternatives, you know, hopefully that you can come up with, with your, you know, prescribing doctor. Um, but a sexual medicine specialist is going to, you know, help with that. And, and in addition to the physical stuff, um, I also really like to invite people to check out this, um, that book that I mentioned earlier, Come As You Are. And then there's a great online resource called OMG Yes. Um, OMG Yes provides educational stuff around the vagina, the vulva, and pleasure and orgasm. Um, so check that out. But again, first and foremost, let's confirm what the physical stuff is and see if there's anything to be done about that so that you can then start to do the the other stuff, the relational, the psychological aspects of it. Because um, orgasm kind of requires again, that same model I mentioned earlier of like biology, psychology, and relational. Mm -hmm. I'm a 26 year old male and my girlfriend is 24 years old. We are Christians and looking to get married within nine months. When we have sex getting married, I'm wondering how best to talk to her about erogenous zones. We both have had sex before becoming Christians and being baptized. So we are familiar with the term but how do I bring up that mine are similar to some women's foreplay around the nipples? Okay, so two kind of questions here. Um, first, I would invite you to check out a colleague of mine. Her name is Brittany Broadus Smith. I'm happy to send this link to you, Tim. Um, she uh, was a colleague of mine from my master's program and specializes in sex and Christianity <laughs> and basically talks and educates people from a sort of Christian lens, lens and helps them sort of find pleasure and connection in a way that also um, feels in line with their religious values um, and also helps debunk some things in terms of what's maybe in the Bible and things like that around like actual pleasure advocacy, which, which is in there. But I think a lot of people, you know, it really depends how you're interpreting and what your sort of um, specific religious doctrine is. Um, but would really recommend that. I also am wondering if it feels in line with your values to talk about things before marriage. So I'm not saying you have to do them, but can you at least be talking about them? So you're not going from zero to a hundred because that's no way to learn anything ever. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. when we learn to drive a car, we don't go from never driving to going a hundred miles an hour on the freeway. And so is there a way that matches with your values to at least have these discussions before? Um, and you may find someone like Brittany or whomever, who is maybe a religious support person where you can maybe get coaching or help from somebody who supports and val and shares the same values um, with your spiritualism while also giving you educational tools to be like, when we get to that point, what are some things we might need um, to help us? So do you have to wait until the marriage? I would say yeah. not, but again, it's not my, not my religious practice um, that you are specifically How describing. How does it need to be? Because if it's just his nipples, can't you sort of like start bringing that into, can't you start playing in that area a little bit sooner? Is it that strict? I feel like it's not right. I mean, you're asking the wrong person because I'm like, yeah, go for it. And I want to respect where they're at, but that could be a question to have amongst their partnership, maybe with the support of like some of the resources I was mentioning of just like, 
hey, does it feel within our values to like talk about pleasure so that when we get to this place, we're able to um, connect in the way that God had intended for us uh, and be able to find that pleasure with each other. Um, so I think there's things you might be able to do now, but let's check and see what your values are. In terms of the nipple thing specifically, um, body parts don't have genders. <laughs> and so I know there's some people out there who feel really strongly about like the gender binary of male, female, whatever, but the body is just a body and it has nerve endings and tissues all over it. And so nipples, chest area, you know, is not necessarily like, oh, this is only an area where women are allowed to feel pleasure. It's just an area where everyone has the potential to have certain kinds of tissue and nerve endings. Um, same thing like anyone with a chest can get breast cancer, not just women. And so um, this is not a woman's thing. There are a lot of cisgendered men or people with penises who enjoy nipple play. Um, and so when you're exploring this with this partner, maybe it could be a reciprocal question around like, hey, when we do get to that place, do you know if there's a part of your body that I would be surprised to know that you liked touched? And it doesn't even have to be a sexual part of your body. Like maybe yeah. maybe you really like when somebody like breathes on your neck or pets your hair. Like is there are there parts of your body that bring you sexual or non-sexual, just pleasure in general. Um, and so it can be sort of a reciprocal question of like, oh, well, thanks for telling me. Actually, I realized I kind of enjoy like touch in this area. Is that something you're open to? Um, yeah, I like touching these bad boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, I mean, it really depends what your values are. But like I said, maybe instead of going from zero to like, hey, touch my nipples or which <laughs> I mean, I'm a fan of. And if someone's like not yeah. Let's see. How do I say this? My personal values are I want to be with somebody in partnership or marriage who does care about my pleasure. And so this could also be a good litmus test of like, hey, I really want to share something with you that's kind of scary for me, but that um, is exciting for me. And then if they continue to respond negatively about that, that's not someone who aligns with my values personally. Um, so something to think about. And I, I think you, I think you guys would be fine. I think, I think that they're not going to care. They're going to be like, oh, cool. And it was in Come As You Are where I read actually some men are just have more, they have more nerve endings there. So it's just like uh, on the distribution. Um, maybe you're like slightly higher on that dis distribution, or you're just into it. That is all awesome. But I like what you're saying again. I like what you're saying with the reverse question. That was very, very, that was very cunning. Maybe the first guy can use that too. Would you? Yeah. Mind? Would you? Would you ever mind being someone's slave? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and just I want to normalize this for this person who asked this question. Like, I wish more yeah. male identifying people um liked their nipples played with. Like mm. it's so fun. <laughs> I'm bummed out when I would love to do that with someone and they're like, I don't really like that, or I don't like feel anything there. And I'm like, that's a big bummer because that's a whole bunch of real estate we could be playing with. So um potentially your partner might be excited about it, just like I'm excited about it. <laughs> there we go. Amazing. I'm a 24 female in a one-year relationship with my boyfriend who is 27. I'm looking to do something in the bedroom to add some spice. How may I go about this? I feel shy expressing what I'm into. Okay. Um, I mean, I feel like we've covered this a bit, you know, already, mm -hmm. but 
first, it could be helpful to get clear on, you know, what you like and what you're interested in and to practice getting those words in your mouth and like in your head. So whether it be journaling about it or if there's a friend you could talk to, to even just practice like saying the thing out loud or even by yourself in the mirror, just being like, I like when you do blah, blah, blah. I like when you do that, like just practicing getting the words in your mouth in a way that is like in a safe place. Um, And again, I'm also really a big proponent of being fine with like letting people blame me. <laughs> and yeah. so whether it's a podcast, blame I've Nicoletta, done, yeah, blame, blame me Copley. for everything. These are two things that you guys can blame. <laughs> yeah. So like use Coupley, you know, use an article, check out like my podcast episodes or something like that, like find one around what you, you know, uh, could be into. There's also, um, things on there's also other apps i've seen i don't know if you've seen where you can like swipe on things that you are into um and then it shows you like the overlap of what you're into yeah so like find an app like coupley or something where you can ask where you the questions are being asked for you um to be like oh i'm not asking it's the app or like oh i heard this in a podcast not me just to help you get to a place of feeling more confident about it like just to open the door um i'm also a big fan of like name it to tame it we call it in therapy where it's like it's understandable to be anxious about it is this someone that you trust with other feelings that you have you've been together for a year so is this someone that you trust with when you feel anxious or sad in general and if it is then use that for this and be like, hey, there's something I want to talk to you about um, because I feel so comfortable with you and I love you, but I'm anxious and I need your help. Can you help me? Um, and then it's really hard for the person receiving that to be like, fuck you, no. <laughs> right? Ideally, they'll <laughs> respond uh, non-defensively and um, wanting to join you and support you. Remember, Sorry, my dog. My dog is having some some feelings in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and and remember, ninety percent of people want to try new things in the bedroom. So I'm sure your partner feels exactly the same way, and they're yeah. very excited to talk to this through you as well. Um, Absolutely. I'm a 25 year old female in a 4.5 year relationship, and I'm interested in learning how to do a prostate massage. I've heard it feels incredible, and I've already talked about it with him. He's open to it. He even tried it himself and really liked it. He proceeded to buy some toys for the same reason, which I'm really happy for. I love that he's so open to new things, but actually I would like to learn how to do that myself. So I'm the source of his enjoyment. However, I'm a little shy about it. I don't really know how to start. Do I just follow his lead to guide me what to what feels good and where and how? P.S. I hope this is not a stupid question. Uh, never a stupid question. Um, it sounds like there's so many great strengths and possibilities here for getting both of your needs met and connecting on trying this new thing. Um, for people who don't know what a prostate massage is, um, people who have penises have a bunch of, um, nerve tissue, um, and a, an area in their, um, body called a prostate. Um, it can usually be accessed mostly through the butt, through the anus. Um, and it is very pleasurable just to make sure that people listening hear this, louder in the back, um, that again, doesn't make you gay. And it doesn't matter if it did make you gay. <laughs> so like 
Having your butt played with, having a prostate massage does not have to indicate anything about your sexuality. And there's also nothing wrong with being gay of any kind. Um, and so for people out there who are not wanting to try butt stuff because of their hangups around orientation and sexuality, I invite you to kind of take a look at that and, and what that's about um, for you. Because again, it's just a body part that has a lot of pleasure. And not for everyone doesn't mean you have to like anal play or butt pleasures. Um, but if you're close to it, just because of this, uh, this homophobia or this internalized shame or whatever, um, that's a bummer because you're missing out on a huge pleasure area that has, um, a lot of wonderful potential. Um, so in terms of trying it, um, the last part you said is always a great place to start. Um, there are certain techniques and things that I would say are objectively true for learning how to play with a butt um, that I'll get to, but super important to figure out what your partner likes. And so absolutely, it could always be a great idea to be like, hey, would you be willing to show me how you do it and what you like? Because I want to I want to see that. Um, that's hot. Um, and I hear that it's nice to be a collaborator on your partner's pleasure, but I do think sometimes it can get a little bit tricky and ownershipy when the person's like, I want to be the source of your pleasure as opposed to it being like a collaborative experience. So really, um, yeah, take the time. If they're willing to show you what they like and how they like to be touched, they're going to be the barometer of trying all these things out. So it would be good to ask them, how will I know when you're enjoying it? What will I be? And this is inspired from a colleague of mine named Midori. Um, who asks questions like, what will I be seeing and hearing when you're enjoying yourself? Um, and then on the flip side, what will I be seeing and hearing if you're in pain? What will I be seeing and hearing if you're not okay with this? Do we have a safe word? Um, then a couple, I would say more objective guidelines um, around anal play. Start really freaking slow. <laughs> Slower than you think. Uh, don't go usually right to any kind of penetration. Um, so by starting slow, I mean maybe just massaging around the area for the first time, maybe like around the like the butt cheeks themselves or like between the cheeks um, or on the what we call the perineum, the taint, uh, which is between the, the balls and the anus um, and practicing breathing together, just kissing, um, just massaging that area. Uh, breathing is also very important here. Um, other people also like to prepare in different ways. Um, so some people are scared of shit happening, um, literally and metaphorically. Um, if you're playing with the butt, shit can happen, no matter how well you you prearrange things. Um, so just embrace it as a potential part of things. But if you're worried about that, get a nice sex blanket, get a nice black towel, change your lighting, get some black gloves, um, get a nice scented candle. You know, there are lots of things to help prepare. Um, in terms of actually going inside, um, again, really starting slow, I would say waiting for that person to have what I would call a hungry butthole. So instead of being like, we're going in now, have them be like, I want you to tell me when you want me to go inside. Um, for this, I'm a visual person, so I really like to have visual. Good news is educational videos on this exist. Um, check out B-Vibe, which sells a bunch of toys and tools. They have a podcast and videos about how to uh, how to butt. 
<laughs> um, also, an oh, educator named Luna Matadas has some great classes on this for um, some affordable prices too. Um, watch a video, watch it together, practice, check it out, um, practice some relaxation techniques together. Um, and then once you're going inside, you need lube. Always have find a lot of lube. <laughs> lube is your best friend always and forever for any kind of sex. Um, so lube also here is key. Amazing. Awesome. That was great, Nicoletta. You're so thorough. Uh, awesome. There's, that's like a full guide for this person. So fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And that's just the, that's just the beginning. So watch some of this stuff, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get there. Um, but take, take it slow. <laughs> I've been with my partner almost 20 years. We try a lot of things sexually. I would really like for her to continue giving me oral sex as I come, but she always stops oral sex right before that. I would like it because I think it would feel so good for me. I can understand for her, maybe she doesn't like the taste or the texture of it, but she hasn't tried it or explained why not to me. Is it, it is hard to accept because I would do anything sexually for her, but there are a couple of things that she won't do for me. Hard not to be a little frustrated and let down, but I know it's a silly thing. I just like couldn't stop thinking of meatloaf. I would do anything for <laughs> love, but I won't yeah. do that. What was that thing that he was talking about anyway? I really want to know. Stuff. Probably maybe butt stuff. Um, no, I feel like he would like butt stuff. Sorry. Yeah, Thank I you, meatloaf. Um, okay. So firstly, yeah, it probably would feel good. I can understand why you want that. No shame in desiring this. Um, but I'm also curious, like they didn't mention it here and they said they don't know why their partner's not into it. And like, have you asked? Um, she like, hasn't explained it. She Yeah. She ha but she hasn't tried it or explained why not to me. And it's hard to accept. Okay, so if you're waiting for her to explain why not to you, um, maybe ask, maybe ask instead, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and there are plenty of nice ways to ask it. I'll give you a few examples. Um, oh my gosh. I so love when you're going down on me. It feels so good and I really enjoy it. It's such a wonderful thing we do together. And, you know, I've noticed that you usually like stop, you know, right before I, I come and, um, totally understand some people aren't into that. Like, I'm just curious, can you help me understand what is it about that that you're not into? Thank you for telling me. I, you know, feel so much closer to you when we can have these open conversations. Is there anything that you want me to know about what what you would like differently? Um, so that's called the shit sandwich technique. It's say the nice thing, say the difficult thing, say the nice thing, um, or frame it as a as a compliment. Um, because if you haven't asked, this is an opportunity for you to, to be curious um, and not in a way of like, why don't you do that? But just like, hey, help me understand. Is it the taste? Is it the texture? Have you had a negative experience? Is there anything I could do to help with any of that? Um, and if you have asked and they're like, I don't know, um, it may just be a boundary. And I know it sucks sometimes when the thing we want comes up against, you know, a boundary um, and you may just have to respect that and or ask if your partner's willing to collaborate on an alternative. Um, mm -hmm. Alternative could be, you know, 
hey, now that you've explained to me why you're not into this, okay, you don't like the taste, but you know, I do kind of want to share with you that it does sort of um, impact my pleasure when we sort of stop at this time. Um, is there a way we could find like a, a win-win? Um, is there another part of your body that you're comfortable with me doing this on? Um, there's also lots of toys and tools one could use, you know, for something like that. Um, sometimes people like just fantasizing and talking about it and maybe not doing it. So there may be options here and it may be a boundary. And in that case, after you get this curiosity understood, um, it may not happen. And yeah, you might have to grieve that. I think they'll be okay. They, um, and this is a time, it's not the time to do it while this is happening, right? You want to have this conversation outside of the bedroom, so to speak, like versus giving direct feedback during. Um, yes, ideally. I mean, I want to give people like permission to talk throughout sex and make talking throughout sex sexy. And yeah. in the way we just described it, probably not the ideal timing to like right before you come being like, can you please just swallow it this time? You know, like, yeah, probably not ideal. Yeah. Um, would recommend having this conversation while your partner's penis isn't in, while your partner doesn't have your penis in their mouth. Right. So you know, you're not sort of shouting down at them. Hard not to be a little frustrated and let down right now. Right, right. Yeah. Like pick a, pick a neutral time. Maybe when you're on a walk or you've had a nice dinner together and then ask consent, be like, hey, can I check in with you about something involving our sex life? And it's definitely seems that they're doing a really great job, been together 20 years, trying a lot yeah. of things sexually. That's great. It's There's a lot of positives here, it seems like. Totally. Totally. And and again, don't want to minimize that you want this. Like, I heard that they were like, should I just, like, suck yeah. it up? Like, no, have a conversation, get curious. Yeah. Like, under it's okay to want this. And can we get a little more information? Yeah. Amazing. Well, Nicoletta, those are all the couple questions that we had down today. And I just want to say thank you for such an incredible job. That was amazing. We did well on timing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. We got through we them. Did. We got through them, went through them perfectly. I could not have done this without you. This was absolutely amazing and so valuable to the couple audience and community. I'm really excited to share this with them. So thank you. And before we close... Any other announcements, updates, and finally, how can people connect with you and uh, see more of your work? Thank you again for having me, and thank you, Coupley audience, for your questions. Um, great and not stupid questions. <laughs> um, they're all welcome. Um, again, just... Yeah, so glad you have a platform for people to start these chats. Um, so you can follow me through my podcast, Sluts and Scholars, which is at slutsandscholars.com or on Instagram at slutsandscholars. Um, I am also at Therapy with Nicoletta, which is more kind of my private practice stuff. And you can find my personal website there for therapy and coaching. Uh, and yeah, I hope to see some of you at the live show happening February 10th uh, next year in Hollywood or online. And for that, um, I believe the link is AD, stands for Afternoon Delight, AD Live. Uh, .eventbrite.com, uh, but we'll definitely be posting about it on our social media so you can kind of track it there and hope to see you. Amazing. Thank you so much, Nicoletta. Really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Thank you.